Have you ever wondered what Jesus would say if he could speak to you today? Join us on our podcast, A Weekly Message from Jesus, as I use my gift of spirit communication to bring you a channeled message from Jesus. The link is a weekly message from Jesus.podbeam.com. His messages will bring you much happiness and guidance in your life. He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Adelaide Heward-Mills. Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Adelaide Heward-Mills. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for the privilege of being here this morning. Thank you for the gift of life. We could have been anywhere else today, but your mercy has found us this morning. Thank you for the fire that Jesus brings into our lives by his very presence. Thank you for the fire that burns the chaff and things that are not of you. This morning, we surrender our hearts to you, Father. I pray that you will speak to us at every level and at every age. I come against every form of resistance to the word of God. I come against every form of stubbornness. Every thought that rises up in opposition to the things of God, we overcome. And we pray that the word of God will be glorified and have free course in our lives. Thank you that this word shall not go void, but it shall accomplish that for which it is being sent. Thank you for what you have begun in our lives. Thank you for this vision that comes from you and you alone. We embrace it, Lord. And we know that at the end of it all, we shall leave here changed and transformed for your kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take your seats. Hallelujah. I believe that clap was for me. That's okay. But I want you to give a resounding applause to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator of the universe. He who sits on the circle of the earth, he who is incomparable to none, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, Jesus, the Lamb that was crucified. Give it up for him. Give it up for him. He's the refining fire. He's Jesus. God is with us. Give it to Jesus. Let him be enthroned this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and say, so you made it to first fire after all.
I want to welcome you to the maiden edition of First Fire Conference. It hasn't happened anywhere in the world. And we are privileged to be the first to host a conference of this caliber. We want to thank God for the visionary Bishop Dagiwad Mills, whose vision has brought this meeting into fruition this morning. Amen. And um, I want to say that, you know, the Bible says the end of a thing is better than the beginning. So if the first fire conference is beginning here in the Kodesh and is beginning in this way, then I can't tell what is going to happen after here. And people have been sending me WhatsApp, mail, is it live, is it this? As I can't add that to my thinking. Do you understand? So as the people evolve, the powers that be, because I cannot answer. So anyway, if there's any live streaming of some sort, we just want to also welcome you for, for skinning on us in the Kodesh. Amen. For those of you who have come from boarding school and everybody from everywhere, I saw Lady Pastor Erica's little son doing his best in the mass choir. God bless you. The mass choir was wonderful. The march past was something of a kind. And I know that God will meet us at his point, not our point. Amen. I also want to thank Reverend Oko, Lady Pastor Erica. For bringing us this far. And I salute the Bishop Doug Heward Mills, wherever he is. May the Lord bless him for thinking about you and us. Amen. Now, first, fire. Fire connotes a lot of things, especially in Scripture. When you look at Jeremiah 20, verse 9, from where comes our key verse, which has been written behind us, Jeremiah was having a lot of persecution, and at a point he said, you know, I'm not going to proclaim God's word anymore. Anything God says, I'm going to keep it within me. I'm not going to let it come out because it's too much. And then when he decided to do that, the Bible says that the word of God was like fire in his bones. So he couldn't keep still or keep it within him. You know how when fire is burning, you can't just, when there's fire within you, you can't say, oh, hi, you'll be going like that. You know? So Jeremiah was saying, I can't keep it within me. I have to speak it. Otherwise, it is like fire in my bones and it's like something is on fire in me and it has to come out. And so I believe that for most of us, having met Jesus, Jesus comes into our life and his presence alone is a burning fire. Because the Bible says that he was like a burning fire and a flame. Amen. So Jesus being in your life and my life introduces a certain fire. In the book of Acts, Jesus said to them, go wait in the upper room, wait on me, and then I will send the Holy Spirit. And when you have received the Holy Spirit, you shall be witnesses. Now the Bible says that the Holy Spirit fell and it was like clothing tongues of fire and it sat on everybody. So the Holy Spirit, fire 
symbolizes the Holy Spirit. Now, Lady Reverend, why first fire? Because for most of you young people, there are many fires. You see, God introduces many fires. Even when you have the Holy Spirit, you can get filled again with the Holy Spirit because even though the disciples were filled, when they were persecuted and they came together to pray in the book of Acts, the Bible says the whole place was filled with the Holy Spirit and the whole place was shaking and then they went out and they preached the word of God boldly. So when we say first fire, we are believing God that the first thing that you have passion for, the first thing that you have zeal for, the first thing that you have a drive for, the first thing that you are propelled to with fire is the things of God. Amen? And I am so thankful to God that I had the privilege, by the grace of God, to be born again from the tender age of nine. And when you are born again early and you walk with God, you know, you catch the first fire and you continually do not let that fire die, but you walk with it. You are saved from a lot of foolishness. You don't have to go to the school of hard knocks before you say that, oh, the scripture was true. Oh, Lady Reverend, God was right after all. There are enough people who have proved that God's word is true in the Bible. We have enough examples. So we don't need you to be the latest guinea pig to be used in the laboratory of life to say that God's word is true. Amen, somebody? But if we would take God's word, we will be saved from a lot of heartaches. Amen? Sometimes some of you are from boarding school. Unfortunately, some of your friends may not have caught the first fire. Or maybe when they caught the first fire, they made it die. Something happened, and along the way, some people have produced babies when they are not ready for babies. Produced babies when their minds cannot even be mother, mothers or fathers. Produced babies when their lives have not reached that stage. But when you catch the first fire, it will channel. You see, God also gives you some hormonal and biological fires. But then, this first fire of the Holy Spirit can lead you in the right direction. And help you know how to steer the fires that are ablaze in your life. Now, the word fire is used to connote the presence of the Holy Spirit. And also to say that it is a purifying agent. When the fire is in you and I, it's supposed to make us better people. The fire is supposed to make us look like Jesus. The fire is supposed to burn the chaff in our lives, the sin in our lives, and make us what we ought to be. Amen, somebody. And so this morning, I am going to be brief because I'm going to see you today, tomorrow, and the day after. Isn't it? So I want to preach to you about 
are you a double man? Are you a double man, a double woman? Are you double? Amen? Dear Reverend, what do you mean by double? Hmm. Revelations 3 verse 16. Revelations 3 verse 16. We need to know the books of the Bible. Not just Gast and Akiola. Amen. Because Akiola cannot give you eternal life. Akiola cannot deliver you from temptation. Akiola cannot give you a guaranteed future. Neither can Gast. But the word of God can abide with you forever. And make you and set you among princes. Amen somebody. Revelations chapter 3. Do you know where it is? You know everything about Hannah Montana. This Hannah Montana, she's a child like you. How can she lead you? How can Hannah Montana be your savior? How can Disney Channel be the way, the truth, and the life? How? How? The word of God is your light. Amen, somebody. Revelations chapter 3. Are you there? Verse 16. Hmm. This is God speaking. 15. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Somebody say danger. It's not easy. Until it's easy. Amen? I want to read from the Message Bible. It says, I know you inside out and find little to my liking. You are not cold. You are not hot. Far better to be either cold or hot. You are stale. You are stagnant. You make me want to vomit. You are stale. You are stagnant. You make me want to puke. God wants to vomit you out when you are lukewarm. Because fire connotes something that has heat. That's on fire. On fire for God. On fire for righteousness. On fire for doing what pleases God. But most of us are double. We are lukewarm. You have half hot and half cold. And so I'm asking you this morning, are you a double person? Ask your friend, are you, are you double? Are you partly hot and partly cold? Are you partly Christian and partly worldly? Are you partly in church and partly in the world? Do you have a part of your life that's open and another part that's in secret? 
Do you have things you do in the light and things you do in the darkness? Are you double? Do you have things that when you see Reverend Okokami, you will hide, but you have your own clique in church and the things you do in the clique, is that how you are? Do you have a face for mommy and daddy? Yes, mommy. I'm not doing anything. Yes, mommy. What were you doing? Oh, mommy, I was having my quiet time. And then when mommy turns around and goes, you take your iPad. And you are having your quiet something, but not quiet time with the master. Amen? Are you partly with some boy? And then partly with Jesus? Are you partly with some girl? And then partly with Jesus? Are you partly on some part of the internet? And then partly uploading messages? Are you hot or cold, brother, sister? We want to know. Amen. Do you have a sanctimonious look when you see us? Do you have a dressing that you bring to church and another dressing that you take to a cram or? Amen. Do you have things that you write down? People you communicate with that we don't know anything about? And then you also have Christian friends. You are neither hot nor cold. God will spew us out of his mouth when we are like that. Amen. You see, it's better you identify that I'm an unbeliever than to be half and half. God says, I wish you were hot or you were cold. But when you are in between like that, when I don't see whether it's a fire, I don't see whether it's a fire that's burning or it's doomed so or I can't really see. Turn to the person next to you and say, I wish you were either hot or cold. Amen. Our next verse. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 to 15. I hope my message is simple. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 12 to 5. Hey, 12 to 15, sorry. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, are you there? 1 Corinthians 3, 12 to 5. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by, it shall be revealed by, you said first fire, we are here. It shall be revealed by fire. Hmm. Then shall every man's work, it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burnt, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet as so as by fire, as through fire. 
The Bible is saying that there's a foundation, which is Jesus Christ. And when you give your life to Christ, the minute you give your life to Christ, you are, you are beginning to build something. It doesn't matter your age. You are building something. So it says the foundation is Jesus Christ, all right. But what you build on it will be tested by fire. Amen? It says some people will build from silver. Fire, when you put silver through fire, it's rather purified. When you put gold through fire, it's purified. Precious stones, and then some people too will build with hay. Do you know hay? Dry grass. And do you know how dry grass and fire, they don't mix. As soon as you put fire into dry grass, it's finished. So some of you are building foundations that are dry grass. Some of you are building foundations that are stubble, stubble, uh, uh, rubbish from around. And some are building with gold and some with silver. As the person next to you, what type of life are you building? Do you know you have many years ahead of you? What type of life? What, what is your work like? Is it silver? Is it gold? Is it stubble? Are you double? Amen. Now, this double life is practiced by people who have received Christ, but don't change completely. Sometimes, some of us don't allow our conversion to affect every aspect of our lives. We are dual, and it's like having double standards for your life. And God has said that when you have such double standards, rather, I'm not interested in knowing you. If you are an unbeliever, I know that I can have mercy on you. But when you are half and half, it doesn't work. Sometimes you have one lifestyle in public and another in private. And you are not willing to sacrifice anything for God because you want both worlds. It is the spirit of hypocrisy, the spirit of lies, and the spirit of self-deception. Sometimes we tell ourselves lies so much that we believe the lie in the end. The lie becomes truth to you. You have lied so much that you don't even know yourself anymore. Everything is a lie. Amen? So when God's fire is burning in you, you are supposed to be hot for the kingdom of God, hot for the things of God, hot for Jesus. But when two powers are at work in you, it's not going to work. Amen? Amen? When you do something wrong and you repeatedly tell yourself that it is right, it's self-deception. Amen? And what, what are the, the things that we can be dual in? You can be dual in your spiritual life. Amen? Sometimes you stand on stage and you sing. I gave myself away so you can use me. I gave myself away. But your promise ends with the singing. You haven't given anything away for God to use anything. When we say we give ourselves away, it means we are giving our lives as a sacrifice. 
It means that, Lord, whatever you tell me, even if it means I'm crying, I'm going to do it. But we give ourselves away. We sing amazing grace and all that. But when we go home, we are other creatures. After worship, when you are moving with your friends, there's no Christianity in you. Some of you, because of the types of friends you have, even in the church, you are rather backsliding. Because you move in groups. If it's not a godly group, you will end up ungodly, but you are in the church. You can be in the church and go to hell. Jesus didn't say that as many as came to church, he gave them power to become the children of God. He said, as many as received him and believed in his name, to them gave he power to become the children of God. He didn't say, as many as believed in their parents. You see, your parents can only bring you to church, some of you. Your parents can only encourage you in the things of God. But at the end of the day, the decision is yours. And some of you feel, oh, I wish my, my mother was not so godly. I wish my father were not so godly because then they, 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 I'm, I'm forced to become something. I'm forced to be a Christian. Look, you are blessed to have a heritage like that. Your heritage could have been worse. Thank God for your believing parents. Some people are here, their mother is not born again, their father is not born again, but the grace of God has found them here. And that's powerful. But you come from a godly home where God is spoken about. Some of our pastors who are old now, they say, my, my, my house, there was never a mention of God. Oh, Lady Reverend, if I had met God early, a lot of the foolishness would not have happened. Are you a double-barrel person? Double personality? Who are you? All right. Now, there are ten types of duality. I don't know. <laughs> the double-barreled nature, there are ten types. And I don't know how many I can do, but... Sometimes you say you are separated, but you are still unequally yoked. You may say, well, you have unequally yoked is for marriage, and no... It's for fellowship. It's for the friendships you keep. You know? When I went to the university, and I'm sure I've told you before, Satan said to me, you have served the Lord all these years. Are you sure there's not something on the other side that you must see? Are you sure you are not missing anything? That is the deception of the enemy. And I was a Christian, all right. But he suggested to me that maybe there's some fun out there, you know. You've been so straight jacket every day, going to church, serving the Lord. Eh? Your mates are happy, hanging out at Accra Mall, being robbed by foolish boys. <laughs> Amen. From today, I banned you from hanging out at the food court in Accra Mall. In Jesus' name. I thought, well, maybe it would be a good idea to just get to know what's up. So I didn't stop being a Christian, but I was also nice to unbelievers. And unbelievers said to me, we like your Christianity, it's so nice. 
you are not the judgmental type. You have a crossover appeal. You can cross from the world, and from the world, you also cross into Christianity. Beautiful. Jesus said, woe to you when all men speak well of you. When everybody says, oh, you are very nice, including unbelievers, there's something wrong with you. Amen? So sometimes I say, oh, I gave myself away. Lord, I'm just separated on you and to you. But when you go to school, you do everything that unbelievers do. They are your main friends and your main advisors. And now in this generation, your advisors are not only your friends that you see physically, but your iPad, your iPod, your computer, your laptop. They are all the friendships that you keep. Virtual friends. You have them many. And you know that these virtual friends don't lead you to love God more. They don't lead you to be more dedicated. They rather suggest sinful things to you. And so you have these virtual friends, and then the real friends are the ones we see you working with in church. But in the virtual world, too, you have your own friends. And when you are young, you think that your parents are hiding something from you because they don't want you to know. Let me tell you something. Everybody and the type of weight they can fight, like boxers, we have featherweight, middleweight, and heavyweight. So as a child, there are certain things you can't handle. And there are certain fires you cannot handle in the name of Jesus. And so when your parents say, don't watch this, don't do this, don't go, it's not because they don't want you to be happy or they have something they are keeping secret from you, but it's because you are a featherweight. And the things are heavyweight. And as you go and deal with them, it will floor you. Amen. But at the right time, when you have matured and you have the muscles, even you will come to us that you want us to help you carry the heavy weights. Amen? So sometimes you behave as if you are separated. Another time you are unequally yoked. The Bible says do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Your friends are the strongest influence on your life. The strongest. Not your father, not your mother, not even your pastor sometimes. But the people you hang out with. Amen. Why is the room quiet? And like I said in the beginning, your friends may be in church, but they are not godly. Amen. So like I was telling you, when I got to the university, the Lord visited me one evening and said, therefore, come out from amongst them and be ye separate. Say the Lord. I said, oh Lord, but I'm already a Christian. He said, yes, but you have your way. You are nice with unbelievers. You are accepted everywhere. So I fell down on my knees, and I was surprised that I wept. It means that that thing was an idol to me. You know, it was a precious thing that I had to let go. But when those friends fell off, I didn't have to go and tell them, you know, now I've become a very serious Christian, so I've decided that I won't work with you again. No. I just decided to be more serious, more dedicated, and they didn't find me exciting anymore. Amen? So you, if every time unbelievers are attracted to you, your friends are singing unbelievers songs with you, you are wriggling your waist, azonto, azonto. Then when you come to church, you say, 
All I want is more. It's not true. You are double-barreled. Look, when a tree dies, the leaves naturally fall off. When you die to the world, the leaves will naturally fall off. You don't have to make a banner like the council people and say, here I come now, I don't want any unbeliever. You don't even have to say anything. But the unbelievers themselves will find you boring. But if unbelievers find you exciting, then there's something wrong with your fire. Amen? Unbelievers like you, they share all their issues with you, and they even contaminate you. You are double-barrel. You are lukewarm. Amen. Amen. Separated and yet unequally yoked. Spiritual and yet carnal. Like Samson. Samson was dedicated to God from his childhood. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord would just move him at times. Even as a young person. Amen. He could carry the gates of Gaza whenever the Spirit of God came on him. He was dedicated to God. He didn't have to drink strong drink. He had to not cut his hair. He had to not come near a dead body because he was separated unto God. But at the same time as he was spiritual, at the same time as he had God's call on his life, he was playing the fool in the valley with Delilah and sorts. So sometimes you are spiritual. You have your quiet time. You come to church, it's good. You join the choir, you do all that you should do. But you have a Delilah or something that represents the world in your life. It will quench your fire. It will make you look warm. And you will end up paying a price that will cost you too much. I believe that many of you have God's call on your lives. You won't know, or you may not know, but God knows, and he's nurturing you for that. My Sunday school teacher told me at the age of nine, God has called you, and you must preach the gospel. Amen. I didn't even understand what he was saying, but by the grace of God, he also demonstrated it practically and physically, that he believed that God had called me because he gave me scripts to learn for preaching. You people, you have must know verses. You know the scriptures. Paul said to Timothy, from, from childhood you have been taught the scriptures. And that's what made him the man of God he became. So the scriptures are supposed to prepare us for life. Amen? And then he gave me scripts to learn. And when I would learn it, then he would take us out. It was a group, a small group. He would take us to the marketplace and he would put us on the tank and he would say, preach. I remember some of the lines up to today. I can tell you, he said, one day Jesus was hungry. I will speak in English. Then my friend will interpret. A Debbie, now comes Jesus. He saw a fig tree. Oh, whatever they say. He said to the fig tree, you, then my teacher said, then you come down two steps. Then you come to the crowd. So I will stand in front of the people. I will say, you, you, you will never bear fruit again. I will, I will, and so above you. 
Amen. Then after preaching, he'll tell us, do an altar call. And we'll do an altar call. Big house. We went to every university in Ghana with his own money. He'll take us. And we'll preach. After that, some of us tried to become guys, backslide, but it didn't work. Because the seed was there. And the seed could not die. That is what the church is doing for you today. So don't take the teaching of the word, the memorization of scripture, rehearsals, saved night. Don't take it for granted. It's all a foundation you are building on. Amen? And I'm happy to see that most of you are excited about such things. But let it affect the way you live. Hallelujah. So he told me that you are called by God. And this morning I want to tell many of you, you are called by God. And God will use you mightily. But because God has chosen to use you also, Satan will also like to be working on you. As God calls, Satan also has his call. He also needs workers in his vineyard. Otherwise, how will he accomplish his purpose? He needs workers in his vineyard. So as God is recruiting, he's also working. But I pray that you will stay hot for God. I'm a living example of God's faithfulness. And I am glad that God delivered me from foolish boys. Amen, the girls. Even sometimes the foolish boys are in the church also. There are foolish boys and foolish girls in the church. Amen. I believe that God said, no, this is your temple, your body is preserved for me. I'm going to keep it till the right time. I don't think that was any extraordinary powers I had, but just the grace of God and the seed that had been planted in me. Sometimes I'll meet some boys, I knew them, maybe in some corner, and then they may want to kiss me, then I'll just be going back. I don't understand it. I'll just... Amen? So I can say that by the grace of God, the first man I kissed was Bishop Dagi Ward Mills. Amen! And that same grace of God is available to you too. It's available for you. God's grace can do it. And when I look back, I said, God, it was just your grace. I mean, my teacher was called Teacher Yamwa. And he's still alive. And do you know what God did? After I've gotten married to my husband, Bishop had the vision to start branches, isn't it? Then one day I went to Tema to have a conference. And a woman and a boy came to me and said, do you remember us? And I said, no. Then the lady said, I am Mrs. Yamwa. And this is my baby that used to lie in the court when you would come for your rehearsals. And that baby is now a pastor in Lighthouse. What 
what my Sunday school teacher thought he was doing for me. He was building the life of his children for the future. Amen. He didn't know that this child he was nurturing will marry somebody who would have a vision from God and have a church. And that child would even meet. Because when I used to go for rehearsals, that child was in a court. Always lying in a court. He couldn't even walk. And that child had become a pastor. Under whose banner? Under my banner, if you like. God is a long-term planner. Amen. And you must allow him to build your lives for you. Mighty and weak. Sometimes you are a mighty singer. You are a mighty worshiper. You are a mighty prayer warrior. But you may be very weak in certain areas. It is not wrong to be weak in certain areas. But when you pretend to be strong in all areas, then you are lukewarm. Amen? But if you come and say, Oh, Reverend, Pastor, this area, I'm struggling with it. I'm always lying. Everything my mother tells me or asks me, I lie without wanting to. I just lie. I think it's a problem. Then we can counsel you and help you. But every time you pretend that all is well. Amen? The last shomkom we had, there was a little girl who was in the service. And when it ended on that Saturday, I went to my office. And she came to the office. Lady Reverend, can I see you? I said, yes. And she said, I gave my life to Christ. I whatever. And I really want to work with God. Whatever. But as I sat in my office with her and Lady Pastor Shelley, I just felt that she was struggling with duality. I don't know. So I said to her, are you born again? Oh, I got born again and I rededicated my life today, but you know, I, I said, you have been sleeping with some people. A young girl. And she said, yes. She broke down actually, crying. And she said, yes. From a young age, somebody from my house molested me. And from then on, if I need a skirt, I sleep for it. Anything, anything, young, young. But she was in church, and she told me she comes for the program, she flows, she, everything. But then in this side, there was sickness. On that side, there was weakness. On that side, there was a struggle, and she had not revealed it to anybody. But sometimes revealing it to somebody, in fact, often, is the beginning of your liberation. Because when somebody knows, the person can walk with you. The Bible says, comfort the feeble-minded and help the lame so that their feet will not be turned out of the way. So even you may be lame, but to recognize and to share the fact that I'm lame in this area will bring you deliverance. But when you give us the semblance that you are mighty in everything, and yet you are down in certain areas, how will we know? And that will cause your fire 
to cease. And that will cause us to be dealing with somebody we don't know. You are hot and you are cold. And God will be forced to vomit us out of his mouth. Amen, somebody. Hmm. Are we making sense? Nasty and nice. Matthew chapter 23, verse 28. The NASB says, So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Outwardly, you look, Jesus said, Woe to you. You are like whitewashed tombs. Outside, you look so great. Inside, rotten bones. And so some of you, you are very nice. When you see the pastor, you are very respectful. Oh, Reverend Oko. Good afternoon, Reverend Oko. Reverend Oko, please, what can I do to help you? When Reverend Oko says, go and bring my Bible from the... Oh, Reverend. Yes, Reverend. But when you are at home and you are sent, and they call you, Amma, I've not heard. Amma, oh, this woman too. She likes bothering me. Amma, the way your mother calls, hey, I didn't hear. I didn't hear. You are lying. Shame on you. Amen. When your mother says, when you get up in the morning, do A, B, C, and D, you won't do. And you are just looking at your time. Oh, we have first fire. I have to go. I can't sweep. I can't clean. I can't, you know, I can't do. I can't scrub my bath. I can't. We have first fire. I have to go. But Jesus said, whatever you do in word or in deed, do all to the glory of God. All, including scrubbing, including cleaning. Including the way you speak to your parents. Some of you are downright rude. And sometimes you won't even speak about your body language. When you do something, your mother, your father tell you, this thing that you did, next time, don't do whatever, before they can even finish. Then you... And when they ask you, what's that? I say, nothing. I was just going. Is that how to go? In the church. If the pastor speaks to you, you hardly do that. So the pastor doesn't know that aspect of you. In church, you are nice, but at home, you are nasty. God will be forced to vomit you out. You are lazy at home, but active in church. There's nothing like character. But the Bible says, by their fruits, you will know them. Not by their shouting, by their singing by their knowledge, but by their fruits. What fruits are you bearing in your homes? Then you come and tell us, my mother says I can't come for the meeting. You see, my mother, she doesn't understand the things of God. It's not true. It's your laziness. It's your somewayness, your attitude. You are a double-barreled person. In church, you are so obedient. So what? Condescending, humble, everything they tell you, you do it, but at home. You are more than Amarambo. Akosua Schwarzenegger and Baba Jackie Chan. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Nasty and nice. 
Hmm. Turn to your friend and say, may the Lord deliver you. Now in 1 Timothy 3.8, Paul is listing some qualities of deacons. And he says that if you are a deacon, you must not be double-tongued. A deacon must not be double-tongued. The only thing that has two tongues is a snake. Amen? And some of us are double-tongued. The Bible says some of us, with the same mouth, we praise God. And then with the same mouth, we gossip. With the same mouth, we slander. With the same mouth, we lie. Two tongues. One is for praising God, and one is for doing other things. Double-barreled and lukewarm. Amen? What do you use your tongue for? Do you ever tell anybody about Jesus in your school? You are shy. Because when you open your mouth to speak, they'll say, ah, but you too. Are you a Christian? Look at how you live. You are not a Christian. Sometimes people say that just to intimidate you. But sometimes also they are right. Because they can't see where you stand. You are fully lukewarm. Whatever they are discussing, you have an input in it. You, you, you've also watched it. You also have things to say. Oh, yeah, I agree. This and that and that. Double-tongued. Double-tongued. One is to preach. One is to witness, which you hardly do. And one is to say things that we shouldn't be saying. Tomorrow I'll go into how we must be affected by our tongue. We must be affected by what we hear. We must be affected by what we see. And all that. We'll go into that tomorrow. Okay? So you cannot afford to be double-tongued. A double-tongued person is also somebody who is used to telling lies. You see, and the way we catch you, you say it's a white lie. There's no gray lie, red lie, white lie. Lies are lies. And when I was a child, I used to think, so if somebody comes and says, I'm coming to kill your father, is he there? I used to ask my mother, so what should I say? <laughs> I found an answer, so during the question and answer time, I will show you a, a, a verse for that. And then the next one is a man pleaser and a God pleaser. A man pleaser and a God pleaser. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Amen. Hmm. If I yet pleased men, that's one of our greatest temptations as young people. It's very difficult to be different. It's very difficult not to want to be part of the group. It's very difficult not to want to be accepted by everybody. And that's what leads us to want to please men as well. Sometimes when you say in school, maybe they are playing some music and you say, Oh, I don't flow with this. Eh, you, you are some way. You are this. Then you feel sad. You feel ostracized, like they've put you aside. They are not flowing with you, you know. It's like you are some way. But beloved, everything in life you pay a price for. Your position in class, you pay a price for it. When you learn hard and you are studious, it will reflect. And when you are as playful as if the whole world is a playing field, it will also reflect. In the same way, we suffer for what we believe. Amen? 
you can't please men all the time. And people know how to make us feel bad, especially at this age. You know, they know how to tell us, oh, you are some way. Or they form a group in the classroom and they, they, they leave you out. And you also want to be a part because nobody wants to be lonely. And that's why you must strive and believe God to have really godly friends. Amen? We'll talk about all that. Sometimes in the church, you are very young, but you have a group. You see, the last, or the last but one, Shomkom, during the question and answer time, the boys said, the girls are always forcing themselves on us. Lady Reverend, what should we do? They have our phone numbers. They are always calling us. Let me give you a little tip. Young girls, the Bible says, when a man has found a wife, he has found a good thing. You are not a wife material yet. So nobody must find you at this age. Amen. We are not looking for wives at this age. You are not emotionally mature. You are not physically mature. You are not financially mature. You don't have any money to look after a girl. At all. Amen? You are not spiritually mature. So, just be, let brotherly love continue. But beyond brotherly love, you are not there yet. Amen? So, lady, remember, I feel a fire in my bones. That's a different type of fire, brother, sister. And that fire must be controlled. It's just hormonal. For those of you who have reached puberty. And those of you who have not reached puberty. The American movies are too much. And they are preaching to you. Day and night. You know, once I, I, I saw it. I saw it in my daughter. I used to watch, um, she used to watch High School Musical, when it first was released, we were in America, and that home was showing High School Musical, you know? So, as they were watching it, I would go in my room, come out. Then later, when we came to Ghana, I saw that, even when I tell her something, not even rude, but it's like an attitude, it's like, oh, mommy, I'm not what I say. Hey, sister, we are in Ghana. We haven't gone anywhere. And I realized that the characters in the American movies are very, very, very aggressive. They speak in a very aggressive way. And even when they are not fighting with you, you know, you say, I'm not going. That's him. Okay. Okay. What is that? What is that? And that is how people are becoming now because the internet is all Americanized. And all these people do not know the Lord. And they have become your Jesus. Amen. And you think that you must go with the crowd. But the Bible says that we are strangers and pilgrims. In this, we are not citizens of this world. We are different. And that is why we are strangers. You don't have a worldly passport. You have a heavenly passport. And the heavenly passport 
qualifies you for heaven. The people who have worldly passports, it ends here. Amen? Many years ago, when I was in sixth form, the university, you didn't need a visa to go to the UK. You just went. You just bought a ticket and you just went. That was it. It was after first year in the university, when the university were closed, that we should have been in second year. That is when that law was introduced, that Ghanaians must now go to British High Commission to get a visa. There was no such thing. You just bought your ticket, Ghana Airways, whatever, you just went. Because at that time, not many Ghanaians were trying to go abroad and live there. You know, Ghana was okay. And it hadn't occurred to anybody that when I go, I shouldn't come back. They were not doing that in droves, at least. So the Ghana passport could go anywhere without a visa. In the same way, your citizenship is of heaven. And heaven's passport, it, called, it works here and it works in heaven also. But now, the Ghanaian passport does not work everywhere. You can't get up and say, oh, I just got a message tomorrow. I have to be in the UK, so I'm leaving. If you don't have a visa, it's not going to work. You need a visa before it will work. But when you come into the things of God, the type of heavenly passport you get, it puts you up in the world and puts you up in heaven as well. But the world has only the passport that is here. After that, when they get to eternity, they can't cross. Not even a visa can make them cross. Amen? So this type of following the crowd, anything on television, sometimes your parents are not there. And you think, oh, they're not there, let me sneak and watch. But you are a Christian on your own. You know God for yourself. You should be able to judge for yourself what is right and what is wrong. You have been told in church that you should be careful what you watch. So even if mommy and daddy are not there, you have Christ to answer for. And that should influence your choices. Amen? I thought you would shout. Sometimes you want to please men when they come and they say, <laughs> have you seen brother Boaz in the J church? <laughs> Is he cute? Do you like him? Yeah, I like him. He's cute. You like him in brotherly love. Period. Stop thinking that it means something else. Amen. And people would tease you in class. Oh, even this age, sometimes you don't even want to sit by a boy. I won't share my book with him. Because even the class will give you pressure. Say, hey, you like him. You sit by him. So you like him. You haven't thought about it. But as they are saying, say, ah, maybe I like him. <laughs> maybe it's true. We are going to talk about all this in our workshop. In our workshop, we are going to be divided into ages. And so we are going to talk about all these things. It's the American movies that say, I have a crush on him. Crush. Give me the tree interpretation for the word crush. Give me. It is not from Ghana, I'm telling you. It's from the American movies. When you say crush, uh, there's something like that. Uh, me too, I have a crush. If you have a crash, you will have a car crash. Amen.
we are supposed to relate to each other as brothers and sisters in all purity. The Bible says in all purity. And I believe that most of it is pure. And what even you are being recycled to think. You, you don't even know what, what you, are, you are thinking. You don't even know what love is. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> it's the old people who don't know what love is. That's for us. We know what love is. You don't know. Amen? Yeah. Most of it is just hormones. God has made you to be attracted to the opposite sex. But not from this J church age, please. Amen? Then when you meet your friends, you see, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because you have just been meditating on this, that's the only thing you talk about. Did you look at him? Yes, he looked at me. And did he? Look, girls, never give a boy scholarship. Never. You are too precious for that. Amen, sisters! It's the good thing that finds the wife. Not the wife that finds the good thing. Amen. So sisters, walk with Holy Ghost class. And allow the Holy Spirit to work on you at the right time. Mr. Right will come. Amen. Don't harass the brothers. I had a friend many years ago and he was in tech then I heard that he had gotten a beloved so when we came home I said hey I hear you have a beloved now I said, ah, I'm thinking I said about what I've seen that she proposed to me I wasn't thinking so I want to break up oh what are you saying? Oh, she told me that she likes me. Will I marry her? Have I thought about it? So I have seen that my will was overridden. So I said, ah, what type of foolishness is that? Can somebody tell you something and then you, who has to take the decisions? But that's what he said. And that's how most boys are. They will say that you gave them the scholarship. <laughs> so they didn't say they were going to the school. You enrolled them. Amen, girls. So leave it to God. Allow yourself to blossom beautifully. Allow God to make you into a wonderful girl, a wonderful woman. And then as you fellowship around the right people, the right mosquitoes will come into your mosquito net. Amen. Man pleases and God pleases. You can't do both. The Bible says you either hate one and love the other. You cannot serve God and the world. It says with the world is enmity with God. This first fire, we are endeavoring not to be lukewarm. Not to be hot and cold, like the book of Revelation says. God says, I wish you were here, or you were here. But when you are in between, one leg here, one leg, I'm constrained to vomit you. 
out. Amen? Let me ask you, are you in Christ or are you in the world? Which side of the fence are you on? Do you know that to follow Christ means you have to pay a price? I wish I could change the gospel and say, oh, to follow Christ is a party. You will never have difficult moments. You will never fight. But I'll be telling you a lie. And I am not wiser than God. To follow Christ, sometimes you will cry because your heart will break. You will lose friends that mean a lot to you, but you've got to say bye-bye to. I cried on my university bed. I thought that I was losing something precious. But God knew the future, and he knew the type of quality people he was bringing into my life. But I didn't know that. Sometimes you will have to weep to obey God. Lady Reverend, how do we overcome duality? The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, beholding the good and the bad. Oftentimes, we are looking for the eyes of our pastor. We are looking for the eyes of our parents. We are looking for the eyes of those we think are snitches. They like to talk, they like to gossip, they, they'll go and say. And you call them lapo because they tell the truth. Chukes, because they speak the truth. It's all a price to pay. You may be called many names. Jesus Christ was called Belial, the devil himself. But he wasn't that. Are you prepared to pay the price? The Bible says, take up your cross and follow me. It has not been an easy road, but it has been a worthwhile road. There are times I've not felt like obeying God. But I've obeyed him by grace because I've always felt he knows better than I do. So you will have to pay a price to stay a Christian. You have to pay a price to stay on fire. You have to pay a price to identify with God's people. You have to pay a price not to follow your desires, your hormones, your friends. You have to pay a price for all that. Now, let's read Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, in closing. What do we do? I don't like to preach. We don't have to be men pleasers. We don't have to be this and leave you without showing you the way or how to get to that place. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. Are you there? And Daniel... Purposed in his heart not to do what? Not to defile himself. Oh, I didn't know it was here. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. You are in the king's palace. Daniel was. He was an exile. Only four of them were in the king's palace. They had been taken from Israel. They were in a strange land. Nobody knew them. Nobody even knew what they believed. But Daniel said, before I come to this place, I have to purpose in my heart. If I decide when the things are going on, I'll slip. But before I get to any place, I'll purpose in my heart. I will make a determination. 
I will make a covenant with God and myself that I will not defile myself in spite of the fact that I'm in the king's palace and he's offering me wine and things offered to idols. You too must purpose in your heart. I'll serve God when my age is one digit. I'll serve God when I'm in my teens. I'll serve God post-teenage. I'll serve God at every stage of my life. You've got to purpose in your heart. Many waves will come to blow you, but purpose in your heart will keep you. And Daniel purposed in his heart. You don't just stay there and let waves, any wave come. Any wave that blows, oh, let's go along. Any, no. You have to make a promise to yourself and to God that I'm going all out and I'm not turning back. Amen. Then also, Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. So first of all, purpose in your heart. Promise to yourself and to God that you will not defile yourself in any way with the things of the world, with friendships, with things that are contrary to God's word. Christianity is not just about coming to church. It's about being a light to the world. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We don't pray because there's a prayer meeting in church. We don't only pray because it's, we don't only pray because it's our quiet time, but we pray so that we will be strong and not enter into temptation. You don't pray at the time of the temptation, you pray before. Amen? Jesus Christ was tempted. How much more you and I? Jesus, the Son of God, was tempted. And temptation means having the feeling to do what is wrong. And we all feel like doing what is wrong one time or the other. Sometimes we feel like not forgiving somebody. Sometimes we feel like insulting somebody. Sometimes we feel like stealing. Sometimes we feel like doing what we have to do. We, we, we feel like doing. But Jesus said, watch and pray. Why? So that you will not fall into temptation. Why? The spirit is willing. The fire is real. But this body is weak. And this is the case that carries the spirit. So you need to develop a prayerful life at this stage of your life. Learn to talk to God. Not as an Old Testament God, you know. Some people say, thee, thou, oh, thou, who, no. Talk to him like somebody you are close to. Talk to him about your struggles. Talk to him about your weakness. Talk to him about what is difficult. Ask him to give you strength. And ask him to deliver you from temptation. Watch and pray that you fall not. And he doesn't only say pray. He says watch. Watch. Sometimes you can see that this place that I'm going, it will lead to this. Instead of watching, you prefer to close your eyes. Amen? He says watch and then pray. So sometimes when you watch, you will see the types of temptations that are gunning for you. Trying to come your way. You can see it. 
Sometimes we just watch, but we don't pray. And sometimes we pray, but we don't watch. But Jesus said, watch and pray. Temptation is like a house that you enter into. Everybody, so far as you are in this human flesh, you will be tempted. Sometimes I'm tempted not to talk to some people in the church for their misbehavior. Sometimes I'm tempted not to mind some people because of the way they are. Sometimes I'm tempted to walk in unforgiveness and offense. But you can't just go by how you feel. You are a Christian. You are subject to something. So watch. that. Mm, this is the area that I'm likely to fall in. Mm, this is the area that is not so easy for me. So watch and pray. Don't go to dark corners with boys and expect that nothing will happen. Don't stay in a room for hours. Especially those of you in secondary school with some boy. And so it's brotherly love. Last week, last week I was in Ashesi University. And during the question and answer time, they said, what is your take on a boy and a girl lying on a bed together and watching a movie on their laptop, because that's the latest thing among Christians on this campus. I said, what? What are you saying? I said, oh, they say that, but we are not doing anything. The Bible says, flee from all appearances of evil. And also, why do you trust your body? This body, it will disgrace you now. The person is your beloved. You are in love with the person. And you are watching a movie, lying next to each other, on a laptop, on a bed. Hey! Children of today. And they are in the Christian fellowship. The Bible says, flee youthful lusts. But you are calling, encouraging, and even sleeping with youthful lusts. When the Bible says flee, it is between flying and running. And when you are in your youth, the fires are at another level. That's why Paul didn't say, flee old man's lust. Old men are different from youth. The Bible says, flee youthful lust because there's a certain amount of fire that is related with youth. And the Bible says, flee. It didn't say, negotiate. It didn't say explain. It didn't say chat your way through. It didn't even say pray. Flee! Amen! And now, I don't know whether technology, you have laptops that the two of you can watch. Erazi. Better Ghana, it's true. Thanks to the Better Ghana agenda. Even if the person is nothing to you, it's just not a nice sight. It's not a Christian sight. Flee from all appearances of evil. And it also uses the word flee. Flee from it. Appearances. Appearances. Lady Reverend, we're not doing anything. But how does it appear? Amen? Watch and pray. 
some of you to the reason why you are getting the temptations you are getting is because of the type of dressing you dress. So watch, 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 watch what you are wearing. Watch that what you are wearing is taking you to places that is it's not me. They are just attracted to me. Really? Demons are very attractive. So perhaps you have become a habitation of devils and you don't know that. <laughs> well, for you to know that it's biblical, 2 Timothy 2.22, flee, flee youthful lust. Flee youthful lust. So that you can add it to your must know verses. Flee youthful lust. Amen? So what have we said? We said you must purpose in your heart. You must pray. Why? Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is very weak. Paul said, henceforth, we have no confidence in the flesh. So I'm surprised that you have confidence to be sleeping, lying side by side, and be stimulated by movies. Your world is different from ours. Your temptations are far more. We, we didn't have even mobile phone before you even text your beloved. You just have pen and paper and you write. And when you mail it, it will take four weeks before he can respond. <laughs> Amen? Flee also youthful lust. I like it because the Bible says, don't do this, but do this. Do you understand? But follow. Righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord with a pure heart. So God knows that whilst you are fleeing, you need to channel your energies to something else. And he says, when you flee from here, go and follow righteousness, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord with a pure heart. It means that not everybody calls on, everybody calls on God, but not always with a pure heart. <laughs> Amen? Okay. And then finally, we must crucify the flesh. Galatians 2.20 Our flesh is from God, but it is also in a fallen state. And our flesh would like to do so many things. So whenever it's Easter, remember that it's not only Jesus who is being crucified. You too. You have brought your own cross. And you have climbed the cross and you have gone like this. So when it's getting to the last hour, say, Eli, Eli, Sabachthani, my Lord, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Every Christian has his or her own crucifixion. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. The life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave his life for me. So it's not only Christ who was crucified. You have been crucified with Christ. And when Christ was crucified, what happened? He was nailed. A crown of thorns was put on his head. A spear was thrust in his side so that blood even gushed out. They gave him vinegar. You too will have your own Calvary. You will have your own places in your walk with God where you will feel like you are being crucified. Christianity is not a ball game or a party or a high ball. It is also that you pay a price you will be crucified sometimes. You will experience a crucifixion of your flesh and of what you want to do. 
But you know, at the end of the day, there was also a resurrection. And we too will also experience a resurrection with our crucifixion. Hallelujah. So we have set purpose in your heart. Pray, flee youthful lusts, crucify the flesh. Lady Reverend, all these things are things that we must do. Are there things God does for us? Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22. It is of the mercies of the Lord that we are not consumed. So there are many things you may do, but you need the grace of God and his mercies to stand. So we just have to trust in his mercies. The Bible says it is of his mercies that we are not consumed. It means that you are not destroyed or bad things, certain things don't happen to you or you are delivered from certain things because of God's mercy. So you have to come to that place where you can just trust in his mercy. That Lord, it's a prayer I pray often, cover me with your mercy because it's of your mercies that we are not consumed. Just cover me with your mercy because I may pray, I may flee, I may do this, but at the end of the day, it is his mercies that will see us through. And the next verse says that, the next part of the verse says, they are renewed every morning. Do you know why he renews his mercies every morning? Because we need it every morning. So trust in God's mercy. Don't walk in fear. Trust that God's mercy can keep you. God's mercy can help you be the one you are supposed to be. And you will be delivered from lukewarmness because the mercy of God will reach you wherever you are. Stand to your feet, please. <laughs> Hallelujah. Please close your eyes with me. I believe it's a time of confession. It's not something charismatics do a lot. But the Bible talks about confession. I want you to talk to God. I've spoken about so many things. And the Spirit of God is telling me, there are many of you who have to confess things to God. Confess your hypocrisy. Confess the things you've hidden. Confess the things that are not of God that you know, but you, you're still walking. Close your eyes and speak to God and mean it from the bottom of your heart. Worship choir can help me. Speak to God and mean it. Forget about who is on your left and who is on your right. We are here to meet God. He's the most important person here. Speak to Him. God, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary your and holy tried and and cold. 
from being here and there, from being spiritual and unspiritual. Speak to Jesus. Bye. 
voice. I hear thy welcome voice that calls me, Lord, to thee. That calls me, Lord, for cleansing in thy precious blood. For cleansing in thy precious blood that flows on Calvary. Jesus, thank you for your touch, thank you for your presence, thank you for a new beginning, thank you for forgiveness of sins, thank you for rededication, a new devotion. afternoon yours is not just a confession but you don't know Jesus as your savior you have been playing games with God you want to say lady reverend this afternoon I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die lady reverend I need to make it right with God I don't care who is on my left and who is on my right I want to choose Jesus this afternoon I want to rededicate my life I want to give my life to Jesus today you are here like that in this auditorium. Just lift up your hands wherever you are. And I'll pray for you wherever you are standing. Lady Reverend, I need to mean business with God. Lady Reverend, I need to make a, a new dedication to God. Lady Reverend, I need to give my life to Christ properly. You are like that everywhere you are. I see all your hands. God bless you. The Holy Spirit is reaching you wherever you are standing. Some are at the back, some are upstairs. Some are in front, some are in the middle. Some are at the back. I want you to take a, a cue and come forward. Take a bold step and come forward to me. Give me the privilege, and the rest of you may stand up. Give me the privilege of leading you to Christ. Give me the privilege of bringing you to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Come. Come to him. Come home to Jesus. Give him your life today. Come.
into my life and to be the Lord of my life thank you for dying on the cross it's for me thank you for rising from the dead so that I may have eternal life this afternoon I start a new life in Christ Keep me, keep me throughout all my years. Let me serve you. Satan, Christ has set me free. I am free indeed. Listen to me carefully. I break every link with you. I break every power you have over me. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm born again and I'm not going back in Jesus name was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi or meet her on Facebook at Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. 
We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.